0: It's not uncommon for different governmental elements to work against each other. Bureaucratic fights are common to every government, but what happens when one governmental entity's sole mission is to stop the flow of drugs while a competing agency is one of the major facilitators of drugs? The result is chaos. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. I'm John Kiriakou. One of my favorite television shows is called Narcos, which has appeared for several years on the Netflix streaming service. One of the things that's clear in that series, and it's based on true events, is that just as the Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, is on the verge of successfully completing an operation to disrupt a major drug transaction or to arrest a major drug kingpin, the operation goes bad. The bad guy gets away and a senior CIA officer pops up in the scene. I know from my experience of 15 years at the CIA that this scenario was completely true and accurate. The DEA's mission is to stop the flow of drugs into the United States and to prosecute those people who are responsible. The CIA's mission is essentially to do whatever it wants with little or no oversight. The CIA has long been obsessed with communism and beyond that with terrorism. If drug kingpins are willing to identify communists and alleged terrorists, then the CIA is willing to cast its lot with the drug kingpins. And the DEA is supposed to just sit there and take it. We're gonna talk about this relationship with our next guest. Michael Levine has been described in the US media as America's top undercover cop for 25 years. A career veteran of the Drug Enforcement Administration, he's a respected author and lecturer, having appeared as an expert witness in more than 500 civil and criminal trials in the U.S. and abroad. He's lectured on undercover operations and human intelligence for the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency and the Federal Bureau of Investigations Advanced Undercover Seminar, as well as for the New York State Division of Criminal Justice Services and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. There aren't many people in the world who know more about undercover operations than Michael Levine. Michael, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure, John.
0: I have so many questions for you that I barely know where to start. I suppose we should begin with this relationship that the CIA seems to have had for decades with people and organizations that are active targets of the DEA. I remember when I was at the CIA, drugs were of literally no concern to us. Transferring into the CIA's counter-narcotics center was considered to be a career-ending move. And as it turned out, the CIA was working against the DEA for much of that time. Tell us about that.
1: Well, I'm gonna give you my personal experiences, and uh, as I would if I were testifying in court. Mm -hmm. uh, I initiated a case while I was the DEA station chief in uh, Buenos Aires, in Argentina. And the case was into a man by the name of Roberto Suarez. Roberto Suarez subsequently was called the biggest drug dealer alive before a secret session of Congress. Uh, DEA at that time didn't even know who he was. When I got involved with uh, Suarez, I learned that he was dealing massive amounts of cocaine all over the world. He was literally controlling the flow of cocaine globally. Uh, as I started reporting this to the Drug Enforcement Administration, my first orders came down that I was to open my files to central intelligence. Mm. My, this meant that I opened this massive wall-sized vault and they they just came at their will with, from the, their station within the embassy, and began to go through the files. The Roberto Suarez case began to make copies, take them. There was nothing I could say. I had been ordered by DEA to open those files. So it's kind of ironic that after I retired from DEA and began writing, I I put a FOIA <laughs> request with CIA for my for my files, anything they had under my name, and it came back, we have nothing. (laughs) Uh, uh, What I found out in working the Roberto Suarez case, strange things started to happen. Uh, I had to differentiate between deep cover and undercover. Anybody who puts on uh, a suit and carries a gun calls himself an undercover agent. A deep cover agent is the guy who goes into the enemy's turf, and seduces him literally out of his life. Uh, You, in DEA parlance, they have, when you get on the radio, when you're a deep cover agent, you say, I'm going in. Often, those are the last words of that man. Mm -hmm. The undercover agents are the people who stay outside and quote, unquote, cover the deep cover man. Which they really can't do. Uh, Often, what happens is they they do a botched job of covering the 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 deep cover agent. The guys inside see them outside get burned, as you know what that means. Sure, Uh, they they get burned, and the deep cover agent dies. Consequently, yes, you will you will read about none of this in the newspapers Uh, with. The Roberto Suarez case, what began, how it began to manifest their presence in the case was DEA headquarters assigned us a a plane that really couldn't do the mission. That is, the mission in this particular case, and it was the first time it was done, was to fly a plane into the jungles of Bolivia, pick up the first load of cocaine from Roberto Suarez and uh, deliver them to the United States. The pilots came to me, and this is all in my book, uh The Big White Lie, mm. which is <laughs> thank <laughs> goodness, still selling. Uh, and the the uh pilots came to me and said, this plane is the wrong plane. Not only that, it's got an N number that was used to ferry Bolivian police oh, a I couple like of years ago this is all in the book, and if you go through a book li- libel reading, you know that you go through a, 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 a more stringent proof of what you put in than any any case you would present in court. Oh, yes. It's money. is money, involved. Well, the eight, we, we, and this is captured in the book. I told the guys who were going to actually get on the plane and fly into the jungles I said, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't do it. Three of the bravest men I've ever known Mm -hmm. said, no, we're going to They flew that plane into the jungles, picked up that load of cocaine, and against everything that the Drug Enforcement Administration and Central Intelligence could do, made it back. And I thank God to this day. uh, If people are seriously interested in CIA's involvement from a first-hand witness. There's a book, uh, it's only in Spanish, El Rey de la Cocaina, The King of Cocaine, by Aida Levy Suarez. She she was present during his meetings, this Mm -hmm. monster drug dealer, with central intelligence. Their control of him and his operation was manifest. uh, yes. Well, along, along so, those
0: same lines, the, the CIA has yeah. long been accused of either running drugs or of turning a blind eye while their sources and their co-operators run drugs. Gary Webb, for example, famously said years ago that the CIA had allowed the Contra rebels to bring massive amounts of drugs into the United States. And after his reporting was criticized, on the same day... By the New York Times and the Washington Post, he committed suicide by somehow being able to shoot himself multiple times. Has your, yeah. has your experience been that this CIA willingness to tie itself to some of the most notorious drug traffickers in the world been a disservice to the United States? What, what has the fallout been over the long term, do you think? It's
1: been a horrific disservice yeah. to the United States. The Air America... Read anything you can about Air America, mm-hmm. a CIA proxy uh, airline, which was flying literally flying uh, heroin, heroin uh, precursors across the Golden Triangle area. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in, when I was transferred to DEA headquarters, I was charged with tracking the flow of the Shan United Army. At that time, they were trafficking heroin right across the the jungles of of Cambodia, Thailand, to to uh, Bangkok, to U- Udon Air Base in uh, in in Thailand, and this was where we first, as a DEA agent, I first received words that they were they were putting the drugs in the bodies of GIs being sent back from Vietnam. Oh my God, this was the, this this was the Herman Jackson investigation. Right. It was my, it was my investigation. Uh, it was the only one. The 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 investigation you see in the movies, uh, where they're flying drugs in the coffins, etc. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, it was really bull. It's it, it, as a matter of fact, uh, along with a couple of other DEA agents who uh, called. Corrupt and whatnot. We uh, we started a lawsuit against the uh, film company. Which, if you ever try to f- sue a film company, you <laughs> better you better hire <laughs> <you> three <better> <laughs> law firms. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the, the question is: the CIA get involved with drugs every way possible? Every way possible. They use using- it. Yeah, they use it as a political
0: tool. We're gonna take a short break. We're speaking with legendary Drug Enforcement Administration Officer Michael Levine. We're going to take that short break and continue the conversation. Stay with us, we'll be right back. We need to counter the Russian state control narrative.
1: Als Teil der Sanktionen gegen Russland gehen die westlichen Länder gegen russische Auslandssender vor.
0: We will ban in the European Union the Kremlin's media machine. The state-owned Russia today and Sputnik. RT, Sputnik, even our video agency, roughly, all banned on YouTube. Et merci à vous tous pour votre fidélité et votre soutien. Welcome back to The Whistleblowers. I'm John Kiriakou. We're talking about the antagonistic relationship over drugs and drug trafficking between the CIA and the Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA. And we're joined by one of the most highly respected drug enforcement professionals in American history. That's Michael Levine. Thanks again for being with us.
1: Thank you, John, for giving me a chance. This is so much cheaper than a psychiatrist
0: (laughs) for me. Uh, I I I'd be interested to know about your bureaucratic experiences uh, with the CIA over the years. Certainly, you've gone head to head with the agency on these issues. What was that like? And what kind of administrative and perhaps political support did you receive, if any?
1: Well, I once asked when I was in when I was stationed in the embassy in Argentina, I once asked them for uh, the lend of a listening device. Mm -hmm. Of course, they 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 give me. I tried a few times, camera, listening device, nothing. You get get nothing from the CIA. Not that that's so so very important, but they had all of this going on in the American press about how the CIA is now involved in the drug war. And you had all these international DEA deep cover agents all laughing and saying, Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're deeply involved. The, what I want to impress on that, uh, impress, I, I want you all to know, the audience to know too, that I right now function as a trial consultant and expert witness. You could see my bona fides on policetrialexpert.com. It will tell you the kind and the level of cases in which I am now testifying. And if I said anything that could be used against me on a witness stand they'd grab it from this. But there's nothing that I'm saying that's not so well documented mm-hmm. that we can we can open up a separate court case for it. And it's a really important for the audience to understand that. Uh, and. Other than that, let it rip. I'm, again, really happy to be, really happy to be here, John.
0: Oh, thank you. One of the accusations that you made against the CIA, and I have to tell you, I believe every word of it. Was that it negatively influ- influenced a very important DEA operation? You said that the CIA was instrumental in the creation of something called uh, called La Corporacion. It's a it was a Bolivian drug cartel, which you once called the the General Motors of cocaine. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, it's again it's in the book, mm-hmm. The Big White Line. That story. If I live long enough, I should write a whole other book. You know. A- <laughs> dating it. But it, it's all there. The general motives of cocaine, I call them the general motors of cocaine because at the time the CIA was doing its best to destroy DEA's case against Roberto Suarez, he he was it was everywhere. Uh, he he was putting together cocaine manufacturing cocaine organizations, cocaine trafficking routes. Uh, all over the globe at this point hmm I that's why I call it the general they were the general motors of cocaine particularly at a time when America we when you all you saw in the newspapers was press about the scourge of cocaine right what it's doing president was saying it's worse than any kind of a a, a, a an attack by an enemy. It's the worst thing that our country was facing. It's the number one enemy. And there's central intelligence with their asset putting together. A, the only way to call it—is the General Motors of cocaine. Mm-hmm. There was they were globally uh, influencing trafficking. They were trafficking. Just the way General Motors is mm-hmm. They, they, mm-hmm. It, like it's still you know, it's the only, it's the only, the only metaphor, the only al- an- analogy I could come up with at the time that was the general.
0: <laughs> you've written, you've written several highly acclaimed books, and like all of us involved in national security, you had to have those books cleared by the DEA. They cleared all of them, and the books still had explosive new information in them. In one, you allege that Reagan-era Attorney General Ed Meese, who's actually still walking around Washington, you run into him every once in a while, he had blown the cover of a DEA undercover team that had penetrated the office of the President of Mexico. And in 2011, Bolivian President Evo Morales held up a copy of one of your books for the press and used it as justification to throw DEA out of the country. In fact, if if he had read the book, he would have kept the DEA in the country and he would have thrown the CIA out of the country. Tell us about those it, incidents. It,
1: ex- exactly. They were a shock to me, actually. Uh, I, I started writing that book, <laughs> nobody was watching me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, what is wrong with these people? They, they, my entire career, I had been under investigation from day one. The investigation continued to years after, but yet nobody was aware of what I was doing. I don't know how that happens, John. You could probably explain that better than me. B- the bureaucracies <laughs> are just not that smart.
0: I'm ready. Uh,
1: they, in fact, bureaucrats, are, most of the bureaucrats I've met are just really not that smart. They come from a class of people that uh, all they seem to think about is their own self-aggrandizement. Right. Uh, and if you feed them, you know, I was very good at deep cover work because I knew I knew how to seduce people. I knew how to seduce very bad guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's almost the same logic when you're dealing with a bureaucrat. <laughs> you, sure. You just, yeah, yeah. So he asked me to explain me. I can't, I, I really can't explain me. I'm just incredibly lucky or They weren't watching the store. Right. What else. Yeah. what what else can you say about that? You you know, I think when Aldrich Ames was a CIA agent and seven years of that time he spent uh, working for working for the KGB. Right. (laughs) And when they finally caught him, where did they put him? They put him in charge of cocaine uh, of the, the drug desk. See well, you don't have to. And you, you, you don't even have to think about it. I, 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 I'm just glad I'm talking to you because I'd I, I like to sit privately with you and talk about I, some I'd of love this it.
0: stuff. I'd love it. And you know what? Yeah. Let, me, let me add something to your to your thought there. A CIA yeah. psychiatrist once told me that the CIA actively seeks to hire people who have what he called sociopathic tendencies. Not sociopaths because sociopaths are impossible to control. But the problem is, if you're a sociopath, you have no conscience. And so you blow right through the polygraph exam. And so while the CIA says that it doesn't want sociopaths, in fact, the place is full of sociopaths. And that's how they get themselves into these predicaments.
1: Yeah. uh, Having a conscience is like dragging an anchor around in that world.
0: That's right. your world, you can't. You just can't. You're, uh, you're exactly right. That's exactly what it is.
1: I, I can't tell some of the things. You know, I'm also a, a vet, veteran, and uh, I, I, I'm getting PTSD mm. <laughs> uh, care from the mm-hmm. Veterans Administration, right. who considered, who considered my experiences uh, as a deep cover agent more traumatic than than. Uh, military experiences. And, oh, I believe and, that. And, and, and in their logic, they say, well, you were serving your country. So, you know, it all comes. That's right. It all comes under this.
0: But, That's right. You know, I, I've so, awakened in the middle of the night more than once uh, shouting, where's my gun, which just used to panic my, my wife. Uh, tell us what you're what you're doing to stay busy now. I know that you continue to testify as an expert witness all around the country. You write. You continue to speak, and you have uh, a radio show. How else can our viewers keep abreast of uh, the work that you do?
1: Um, MichaelLevineBooks.com. Excellent. As video as if it, it'll it, it gives you the everything about the book itself it's really important if you're interested uh police dot policetrialexpert.com is my professional website uh, this this is what I do now I, I'm deeply deeply involved my wife and I are writing another book excellent I no way in hell I'm gonna live long enough to finish all this things. <laughs> i am involved here, John <laughs> but that's okay too but what what I wanted to say was, when I was assigned to Argentina, I was told to activate these special special action units, mm-hmm. SAC units. Well, these guys happened to be serial killers. Oh. They were they were they were the ones offing all the Argentines. Uh, they called it the La Guerra Sucia, the Dirty War. But uh, the dirty guys were the guys that I was paid. To uh, have as my assets, it were mm-hmm. some of the things that my job exposed me to. I I, I can't even talk about mm-hmm. it. It's it, you. I think you'll get it from reading the books, though. You, deep cover and the big white Line, and as John pointed out, they both passed excruciating. Libel reviews, so they—they are the real deal. And again, if you can, get El Rey de la Cocaina by Aida Levy Suarez. Mm -hmm. She's a first-hand witness to CIA people coming into her house while he was running cocaine across the world. And there's no wonder the book was never translated to English because. This this the only thing wrong in the book is she thought I was a
0: CIA agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah. there there's I, I only regret that we have such a short period of time to talk. So I want to thank you, Michael Levine, for joining us today. And thanks to our viewers for tuning in. Substance abuse is a very real trap and a curse on our society. Drugs are very much like an abusive lover who treats you well at first and then beats you up, apologizes, treats you nicely for a little while longer, and then beats you up again. The trap is hanging in there for the good while trying to overlook the bad. That can never work. And we're fortunate to have people like Mike Levine and the officers and agents of the DEA trying to protect us. I'm John Kiriakou and this has been the Whistleblowers. We'll see you next time.